Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Here we go on the edge on this Tuesday evening, live on TSN 1050, streaming live, tsn1050.ca. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Yes, I'm Aaron Karolnik, and no Al's brother today. For now, he will be joining us a little bit later in the show, but it is my pleasure to welcome a very special guest who on this very day, what was it, 12 years ago, Carlo Koliakovo, you were traded from the Toronto Maple Leafs to the St. Louis Blues, so no better way to commemorate this occasion than joining me here on this show tonight. What's up, man? Thanks, man. I feel privileged to be on this show uh, in honor of that anniversary, and uh, better to be me than uh, Al's brother right now, who is somewhere in hiding because uh, he's got a lot of problems right now when it comes to his football picks. You're absolutely right. Al's brother will be joining us. We'll call him in about seven or eight minutes. I let him know that we'd be cold calling him just because the kid is a pitiful, pitiful excuse for a human being, especially (laughs) when it comes to betting. I believe that's now 11 straight losses. And, Carlo, you know we have Al's brother on this show weekly, I guess twice weekly, on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And his pick's not much better when it comes to the the pound-the-table picks of the week. So we'll get into that with him uh, on that subject and last night's game, which resulted in yet another heartbreak from Al's brother. But before that, 20 fingers. Let's hear it. Tired of dull predictions? What, 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 what What can I say? Let me explain this to you. Time to sharpen your edge. So, Carlo, we mentioned the Monday Nighter, which saw the Bucks and the Rams go head-to-head, and Tom Brady's primetime struggles continue, now 1-3 on the season in primetime, and Brady did not look great, 48 pass attempts, low 200s as far as pass yards go, two INTs, which leads me to the question. In the NFC, if you were betting on one team to come out of that conference, who would it be at this juncture, my friend? Close your eyes and roll the dice because the NFC is that's exactly what presents itself to the NFC. Uh, there's too many teams that you know are, that are projected to be good, but then there's too many teams that are just average. And when you look at the the, the NFC, there really is no favorite. I mean, to me, the favorite would be the LA Rams right now because of the way they've played, the way they look, the way their defense is playing, and the confidence that Jared, Jared Goff is playing with. But, you know, if you didn't factor in the Drew Brees injury, you would, ha- you would obviously have to say it's the New Orleans Saints, um, you know, based on the way Taysom Hill is playing and the based on the way they're built. And if the, if the, if the Bucs would have won last night, you could easily say it's Tom Brady and the Bucs. But, there is so much uncertainty right now in the NFC. I can't tell you which team is the favorite right now. Go pick the Dallas it, Cowboys. Well, let's not <laughs> go totally off the board, but you talk about the Saints, the Bucks, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Cards, the Packers. I mean, I think you're absolutely right when you think about the idea of flipping a coin. So I'm looking at the Bucks at plus 1,300. I still believe they're the most complete team in the conference when it comes to their defense, which did not acquit itself well, especially against the pass last night. But I think that offense is going to get going. There's just too much talent between Brown and Godwin and Evans in the running game and Tom Brady, say what you will about his 43-year-old body. I think he's still 
able to get it done at the highest level, and that would be where I'd be leaning if I was making a wager. And, of course, this is a big week in the National Football League. It's Thanksgiving Day on Thursday, three games. So we're looking at these three games on Thursday, which start at 1230 with the Houston Texans at the Detroit Lions, 430. It's the Washington football team at your Dallas Cowboys. And the big Sunday nighter is the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, before we get into the games, when you were in the NHL, and I know you played in the NHL for 14 years, how significant a day was that for you and your teammates kind of building up a bond with the whole squad? Oh, it was an awesome day. I mean, I, I, I would thinking back, I don't think there was ever a game scheduled on that day just because NFL dominated that day in, in the U.S., but it was a game that there was always a team function planned around it, whether it was um, an all-day um, you know, get-together at somebody's house uh, where you do a Thanksgiving lunch and then you hang out and you watch football for the rest of the day, you know, eating like animals and yelling at the TV screen. Uh, but um, you know, it was, it's, it's an all-day thing. You wake up in the morning, um, you, know, you, you spend time with your family, uh, you, you designate the rest of the day for wherever you're supposed to be, and uh, you watch and talk football. And you know, there's little side wagers going on here and oh, there between sure. the boys. But uh, ultimately, it was a day day to drink, a day to eat, and a day to watch football, which I would imagine a lot of, uh, a lot of other fans and Americans will continue to do this year. Well, let's start with the, the Thursday night game, and that is the Steelers hosting the Ravens. The Steelers, we know the story, undefeated 10-0 after beating the Jags on Sunday. And the Ravens have been underwhelming, to say the least. They are far from yeah. a lock overrated. to be a playoff team. <laughs> overrated. I don't even think, I think they're appropriately rated this, at this point. They are a fringe playoff team. And yet Pittsburgh only mm-hmm. favored by four. What do you make of that line, Coco? I'm surprised by that line. I know me and you discussed that it should have probably been somewhere around six or seven, but uh, this is still the the public giving the Ravens the respect that they earned last year with Lamar Jackson and them being uh, one of the top seeds in, in the AFC, which ultimately ended up losing to the Tennessee Titans. There has been nothing I've, I, I feel good about with this Ravens team, and a lot of it starts with the play of Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's a guy who's continually struggled to throw the ball. You've got his receivers uh, being outspoken about their roles on offense. Uh, teams have figured out how to shut down the run in his game. And ultimately, and you're going against the team in, in the Steelers that are 10-0 and right now, which are having every, every good thing going for them, including the play of Ben Roethlisberger and their stout defense. I think this is a game the Steelers roll, regardless of how the first meeting went. Um, you know, where the Steelers edged out a win uh, with their defense in Baltimore. Um, the Ravens are reeling right now, and I, I, I would not feel confident putting any, any type of money on them. 28-24 in favor of the Steelers in Week 8, and Baltimore dealing with some COVID concerns. Their two top running backs, Mark mm. Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, will be out this week leaving a lot on the plate of Gus Edwards, and we'll talk about some fantasy football a little bit later, but Gus Edwards, 
he'll get a lot of carries, a lot of touches this week. Whether or not he'll be able to do much with them against a vaunted Pittsburgh Steelers defense remains to be seen. And let's dial up Al's brother because I know he's been messaging me. He wants to come on and explain himself after his 11th straight defeat. Before that, let's look at what's happening uh, elsewhere in the NFL, especially on Thursday night where it's a battle of the NFC East, the Washington football team against the Cowboys. And I know you were impressed with what you saw from the Cowboys on Sunday beating the Vikings as seven-point dogs. I think everybody was surprised with how that worked out. But Washington had a pretty big win as well against the Bengals, who lost Joe Burrow in the midst of that game. So that cannot be understated. But that defense is pretty impressive in Washington. What do you make of the Cowboys as three-point favorites against the Washington football team? I think it's an appropriate spread given the sense that the Cowboys are a public team. They're at home playing in their famous Thursday night, their Thursday afternoon Thanksgiving slot um, against the, the, the football team uh, right now that um, I, I think has played a lot better football with Alex Smith at the helm, the quarterback. And it's crazy to, to think and to vision the fact that Alex Smith, after everything he's been through over the last two years, is back starting uh at quarterback in in a football game and i just feel like um you know the 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 struggles that they've dealt with with both kyle allen and dwayne haskins has been turning the football over i think alex smith is 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 has more control in the game with um securing the football and running more of a of a of a a steady offense instead of a high flying Mm -hmm. offense and that gives washington a chance to stay in the game you talked about their defense probably one of the best in the league and in a game right now, we're talking about a week 12 game where we have two teams that are three and seven playing for first place in the division. I know. That alone means a lot in itself, and I expect this game to be a very tight one. I, I, w- I would take the points here in this game. Well, if I was to give a human equivalent to the NFC East as far as just being terrible, I would use Al's brother as that equivalent. (laughs) And let's welcome him in. You know him as the usual technical producer here on The Edge every Tuesday and Friday night. His name is Al's brother. Let's welcome him to the show. Good morning, Al's brother. What's going on? Wow, the (laughs) NFC least. That is so hurtful. So hurtful. I mean, it's well, hey, listen, if there's a guy, wins, buddy. <laughs> if there's true, a guy that can change the name to from NSC least, it's you, buddy, because the run that you're on, you're changing guys' careers. Uh, I know. You know, I'm going to be like Alex Smith. This could be a massive comeback. You watch this, the rest <laughs> of the season, just like the Washington football team. It's going to be blessed. It's going to be great. So if you're not familiar with Al's brother from Overdrive, which I find hard to believe that anyone would be unfamiliar with him. He is on this prodigious losing streak Peter. of picks against the spread. Like the exact opposite. It's it's almost statistically impossible to lose whatever, 10, 11, 12 straight games picking against the spread, but somehow you've been able to do this. This has become unbelievable theater every day at 4 p.m. seeing the scowl on the O-Dog's face. I need to ask you, Al's brother, what was your communication like with Jeff O'Neill last night, and is he just... Has he blocked you on all platforms? Like, what's going on with that? You know, when it comes to to the O-Dog, early on I was texting back and forth with those guys uh, during the game, and then they just got really upset because then I wouldn't text them after a a loss. And then losses just kept piling up, so I kind of just stopped texting, and then I take my lashes once uh, 4 o'clock hits and we get on the show. So I'm sure I'll hear from O-Dog. Uh, later today (laughs) and honestly Tom Brady I don't understand 
how this guy doesn't know how to play in primetime games. Does he not know that the Super Bowl it would be played in primetime? Like, this guy's going to be – he's washed. I don't understand what's <laughs> gone on with Tom Brady. I mean, last night he did not acquit himself well against a quality defense in the Rams. There's no doubt about that, but they couldn't get it done for you. But why don't we get a pick, maybe the Thursday night game, Al's brother. We were talking about a little bit earlier. The Steelers favored by four against the Ravens. Give us your pick so I can wager the exact opposite of what you are selecting. All right. Well, I mean, right now I'm looking at the, the board, and I see that the Steelers are uh, are – given a four-point spread here, and I'm surprised it's not a little higher. Baltimore has not played well. That offense just can't get it going for whatever reason. Uh, Pittsburgh beat them last time that these two teams played. They're Mm -hmm. at home now in Pittsburgh. So I'm inclined to go with the Steelers minus four. I think that's going to be my pick. So if you want to fade that, I guess you would go with the Ravens. But I do believe that the Steelers should be able to pull this one out. All right, Carlo, you have more money than me, so I'm going to ask you to place a significant wager on the Ravens plus four. <laughs> Please do that on my behalf because it is a I lot. think you have no choice. No, I think you have no choice. Right now, we are witnessing history with yes. a trend that is going the total opposite way, and it shouldn't even matter what you like personally. You've got to ride this heater as long as it lasts, <laughs> and even if you're jumping on board late – those are the trends you have to follow when you're betting. Trends. I, complete, I completely agree. This is a trend you need to follow. Also, Al's brother, we're going to be doing uh, Start, Sit, and Sayonara next, a segment that you actually created. Carlo's going to step in for you. So it'll be a little bit painful, but why don't we get your take on Taysom Hill as a tight end and having tight end eligibility removed from him in ESPN Fantasy Leagues? It's, it should be. It's, he never should have been a tight end. The guy isn't a tight end. He's a backup quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. And the fact that he had tight end eligibility and allowed teams who are currently now in, I guess, what you would call a, a playoff push to give them an extra win because they could start him at tight end and get an extra 20, 25 points out of a tight end position. It's just bizarre to me that he was even allowed to be a, a tight end. So I'm glad that they're deciding to to take that tag off of him because he is a quarterback, and that's where he should play. All right, you heard it. That's from Al's brother, so clearly Taysom Hill should have tight end eligibility for the rest of the season. Al's brother, my friend, look forward to having you back on Friday evening uh, when you return to the studio at our normal time. In the meantime, Carlo will do his best to fill the big shoes that you leave us. So thank you very much. Enjoy your evening, my man, and um, we look forward to talking to you on Friday. All right, looking forward to it. See you all again on Friday. Carlo, good luck. You can't do any worse. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very good point. All right, that is Al's brother from Overdrive and, of course, here on The Edge. Coming up next, start, sit, or sayonara. We look into Fantasy Week 12 and the rest of the season here on The Edge. Trying to set up your lineup? Who to start, who to keep, and who should take a hike? This is Sit, Start, or Sayonara on the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Okay, we are back here on the Edge for this Tuesday evening on TSN 1050. It's Aaron Karolnik joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Carlo Koliakovo, who not only is a longtime NHLer, but is also a fantasy football maniac. So it's only natural we bring him in for start, sit, or sayonara. So, Carlo, we're looking ahead to the rest of the fantasy football season. 
we have three quarterbacks, three running backs, and three wide receivers to pick from. You start one, you sit one, and you say sayonara to the third. So let's start with your boy, Taysom Hill. Unbelievable performance in his debut. Tom Brady and Big Ben. Who are you starting? Who are you sitting? And who are you saying goodbye to? Well, this is a good one when you first approach it to me. Um, there's all really good options. Uh, I think you still have to start Tom Brady just because of the weapons and the arsenal that is available to him on offense. Um, and you got to think that the schedule is pretty favorable for them down the stretch here. Yeah. Um, I think you sit Big Ben because as much as the Pittsburgh Steelers are 10-0, um, they rely a lot on their running game and their structure, which is built by their defense. And yeah, Ben can heave it, but I just don't see a lot of fantasy points coming his way down the stretch here. When especially, you know, you're trying to, you're, I don't know if their mindset is to continue to win every game or try to put the most points up in every game. And we, as we saw against Jacksonville this last week, they won that game comfortably and they did it with the running game and their defense. And uh, I don't like to say this, but sayonara to Taysom Hill, as good as he looked, wow. you got to envision that Drew Brees is going to come back into this lineup. Um, and just like uh, he did have a good game against Atlanta, he runs the ball a lot. So you got to think, too, the dual threat there, probably not going to air it out as much, not going to get much of those receiving yards. Might get more of those rushing yards, but you got to think that led by Alvin Kamara, he's going to be the guy taking over this offense. Yeah, I think Taysom Hill definitely has the highest upside from a fantasy perspective, and I didn't think he could throw the ball nearly as well as he did, and I understand he was playing against the Atlanta Falcons, not the best defense in the NFL by any stretch, but I was still very impressed in the dual threat capability that Taysom Hill possesses. Like You think about a run TD versus a pass TD, that's worth two more points, and we know Taysom mm. Hill had two run TDs, and we know he had 51 yards rushing. So when you add that element in, he is almost indispensable, very unique, almost Cam Newton-esque. That being said, there is the uncertainty about whether or not he will remain the starting quarterback, and Drew Brees has 11 fractured ribs, and I can't see him being ready to rock anytime soon. That being said, I'm definitely starting Brady, but I'm sitting Taysom Hill, and I'm saying sayonara to Big Ben, who has the toughest schedule of all three down the stretch, starting with this week against the Baltimore Ravens. And I just like the upside that Taysom Hill possesses in the right matchup, in the right circumstance. You think about Kamara, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and others on that Saints offense. Taysom Hill could be a league-winning option if everything goes according to plan. Now let's look at the running backs, where I am deeply divided as far as who I'm going to start, who I'm going to sit, and who I'm going to say sayonara to. Three options. Ezekiel Elliott, Chris Carson, and Miles Sanders. Where do you stand, Coco? This one to me is easy. Uh, you start Zeke Elliott because if the Cowboys realized how they're going to win football games, it's when they feed Zeke Elliott the ball. I think um, him breaking the 100 yards uh, total in rushing last game, uh, what did that provide for them? A victory. And that's the recipe that they've built on, even when Dak was the quarterback there. So I think you're going to see a lot of Zeke eating, wanting the football, because that equals wins and success for the, for the, for the Cowboys. Uh, Chris Carson, I'm sitting him just because it's a health concern there. Um, and everyone knows 
Seattle's going to go only as far as Russell Wilson takes them. Um, and Carlos Hyde is uh, taking over a little bit of the load there in, in the backfield. So you got to think there's going to be a little bit of a split going on there. I'm saying sayonara to Miles Sanders because there is nobody on the Philadelphia Eagles that I trust right now, especially when Carson Wentz is leading the way at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you certainly on on uh, Zeke. I think Zeke has reestablished himself as the focal point of the Dallas Cowboys offense, and he's going to get a lot of touches, and they should, up, they should put up a decent number of points with those wide receivers in that dome stadium, even with Andy Dalton, the quarterback. But I am just going to disagree with you. I'm going to sit Miles Sanders, and I'm going to say sayonara to Chris Carson. I saw the comments from Pete Carroll, the coach of the Seahawks, about how when Carson returns from that foot injury, you're going to see somewhat of a time share between Carson and Carlos Hyde, who was awesome on uh, the last time um, Seattle suited up on Thursday night against the Cardinals. And if that's the case, it's really hard to rely on Chris Carson as more of an RB2 or flex option. Miles Sanders still has that backfield, and say what you will about the Eagles and their offense, I think having a guy who has the backfield to himself and isn't splitting carries like a guy like Chris Carson will, I think that goes a long way as far as having fantasy success and fantasy upside. On the subject of upside, let's wrap with the three wide receivers for start, sit, or sayonara. I'm Aaron Corona, joined by Carlo Koliakovo here on TSN 1050. The three players, Chase Claypool, Canadian born and bred, love him, Antonio Brown, and Brandon Ayuk. Who are you starting, sitting, and saying sayonara to? My start is is a home run, slam dunk. It's Chase Claypool. How do you not love what this guy has done? Ten touchdowns in ten weeks um, on a team that's 10-0. and 0. And I think he's, he's fit in nicely in that offense because he doesn't have to be the go-to guy. Juju Smith-Schuster is the go-to guy there. And he has Ben's trust, especially in the red zone. So you continue to start him. Uh, I think you sit Brandon Ayuk just because of their quarterback position being uncertain. Uh, Nick Mullins loves to heave the ball, but they're full of a ton of injuries, including injuries uh, himself that uh, Brandon Ayuk is, is dealing with. Uh, but I think down the stretch here, he could be a guy that could get you those uh, sneaky yards, sneaky touchdowns in games that don't mean much uh, that San Fran's going to be playing in. And I'm saying sayonara to Antonio Brown because uh, Antonio Brown is, is a sexy name. And they have too many weapons there, too many options in Tampa Bay. Even though Tom Brady wants to find a way to make it work with Antonio Brown, he was a big guy, a big reason why they recruited him. You can see him trying to uh, slide the ball into him more than, uh, than, than probably he's expecting in that offense. But I just don't see the upside there. Uh, Mike Evans is going to be the go-to guy. Chris Codwin is the second guy there. And uh, he always, he knows he loves finding Gronk in the end zone there. So I'm saying sayonara to Antonio Brown. Coco, I am totally with you on saying sayonara to Antonio Brown. He had 13 targets last night, and it's not like his yardage total was gaudy at all. He had eight catches, mm-hmm. but he's getting a lot of those underneath plays, and the air yards are not there for Antonio Brown. I don't think his upside is anywhere remotely close to what we thought it was going to be in this offense. So say sayonara to Antonio Brown. And I'm with you on sitting Brandon Ayuk, but I think he is close to Chase Claypool. I think Ayuk is going to be a star-wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He is the clear-cut number one guy with Debo Samuel, uh, iffy for the Niners going forward. And we've seen he and Byron Mullins form a really good connection. But that being said, Chase Claypool is a touchdown machine. Not necessarily through the air. He's got a couple on the ground as well. And he gets those red zone carries that makes him a very, very high upside and low four 
low floor piece as well. So I'm with you with Chase, and but I, I love Brandon Ayuk. And if you could look uh, prior to the ESPN and Yahoo trade deadlines, picking him up, he hasn't had that breakout consistent performance yet from uh, Ayuk, but I think he's a guy that's going to be a very valuable contributor down the stretch. Carlo, you have been a very valuable contributor to us on the edge. Thank you for the time and thank you for the insight and celebrate your anniversary like you should by yelling bang AK, at random times. May the winners be yours, buddy. Bang! Anything opposite Al's brother is always a winner. Coming up next <laughs> on the edge, it's Derek Taylor. You may remember him from TSN throughout the years. He's back contributing to TSN Edge. We'll get his thoughts on Week 12 in the NFL when we return. Welcome back to The Edge here on TSN 1050. We stream online, tsn1050.ca. And wow, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome in one of my favorite people on the planet and one of my favorite people to discuss gambling with. He is Derek Taylor. Host of the Sports Cage on CKRM in Regina, but also the man with the details on the bets on TSN Edge. What is up, my friend? Uh, do you enjoy talking gambling with me so much because we win a ton or because of my shining personality? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Some from column yeah. A, some from column B. Derek, it's always a pleasure to chat gambling with you, and especially the numbers. And I want to start with some numbers. Do they have meaning or are they meaningless? Is this a meaningful stat? A meaningful, I talk it about meaningful, add that word, meaningful. Or a meaningless number. Facts are meaningless. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true. What do you mean? Not, like, not surprisingly, Derek, that's a Christoph Mamona crafted sting. Very well done, and it's perfectly appropriate for you. So I want to start with last night. And the Buccaneers, they fall to 1-3 in, in primetime games on the season. But the numbers that you need to determine the meaning for, the Bucks have scored 17.8 points per game in primetime compared to 35.6 points per game in the afternoon. Is that coincidence, or is there something deeper percolating with the Bucks? It's, it's funny because I yelled at that, at that number when Monday Night Football put it up because Monday Night Football has used that to indicate for years, oh, just how special Monday Night Football is, as if every game since you and I were born hasn't been nationally televised. Like, come on. Everybody can yeah. see every game Tom Brady plays on a national basis. If it's Tom Brady against Patrick Mahomes, you know, I don't know, 15 million people are going to see it, as if there's somehow more pressure because it's on Monday night. I, I just think those numbers are connected to the fact that generally you're going to play a better team. On, on that night, the Rams are aren't the Rams aren't the, like the Chargers, right? So this is this is a real team. So that Brady plays badly against the Rams, not surprising at all. I I think that number is meaningless. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the touchdown to interception ratio for Brady as well: five TDs and five INTs in prime time, twenty touchdowns and four INTs in the afternoon. So if old man Brady doesn't get his prune juice at the right time, DT. <laughs> You know what happens. It's not good news. It's Derek Taylor from TSN Edge and, of course, the Sports Cage in Regina, Saskatchewan, joining us here on TSN Edge. And I have another number for you, Derek. You're going to enjoy this one. Over the last five seasons, this is from, coming from Joe Osborne of Oddshark. Over the last five seasons, there have been 24 instances of a team being shut out. 
in their following game, those teams cover at a 77.2% rate, 17-5-2 against the spread. The Detroit Lions were shut out by the Panthers on Sunday, and they faced the Texans as a home dog on Thursday during Thanksgiving. Is that meaningful or meaningless to you? That one, I would want to check out the opponents that they play in the following week, but that one I totally believe, right? Because that one, to me, would would get down to what do we as the betting public believe about that team, and a real recency bias would weigh in on that, right? You look at the game, the Lions lose 20 to nothing. Well, oh, Matthew Stafford, his thumb is, is broken, and oh, something's awful going on in there. And they look so terrible, I don't think they can do it again the next week. And you realize, oh, okay, in truth, they probably, you know, progressed to the median, as I would, you know, as I would kind of describe it. I, I honestly, I think there's probably something to that number. To see them be a three-point underdog at home to Houston, I'm still not sure I would take Detroit. But because I, I mean, I'm the guy who told people uh, nationwide to think Houston was going to make the playoffs after they were 0-3. So maybe I'm a yeah. little Houston biased. Uh, but yeah, I honestly, I think that's, that is a meaningful number. And that's one I would investigate. What were the instances of, of teams who did they play basically after they got shut out? Because I think recency bias is a real problem for, for the betting public. Derek, I want to get your take on a game that not many people will be interested in watching on Sunday, but definitely be interested in betting on. And of course, I'm talking about the New York Giants at the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the look-ahead line is something that our listeners might not necessarily be familiar with, but a a look-ahead line is basically heading into Sunday, day of a game, you're forecasting the lines for the following Sunday. And the look-ahead line had the Giants as two-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Bengals. And Joe Burrow, we know, got hurt, tore his ACL, his MCL, his PCL, his meniscus, whatever he could tear in his knee, he did. So he's out, and Ryan Finley is now the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. That line has gone from Giants plus 2.5 to Giants minus 6. Is that too big a swing based on Joe Burrow being absent from that game? I I think Honestly, I think it is because... The number of quarterbacks who, from them to a a replacement quarterback that are worth eight and a half points, is probably Patrick Mahomes, and you maybe maybe you know a, a good Russell Wilson. That's an enormous swing. Uh, I I don't the thing is we know nothing about Tyler Finley. Is he the equivalent of Ben DiNucci and and the bad game he has, or is he more like Gilbert? Just these two. Dallas examples, right? Garrett Gilbert was absolutely proficient in that, in that what Pittsburgh game, but Ben DiNucci would look like a, a seventh round draft pick who didn't play major college football. So I will know, but I mean, from, from Mahomes to a replacement, I could see it being eight and a half point swing, but uh, from Joe Burrow to me, that's, that's gone a little too far. The Bengals being a six point dog at home to, uh, to the New York giants who are, you know, who look better this year, but, are, are you guaranteed they're going to score 10 points in a football game? I, I feel like that's a real big swing, and, and I feel really good for having been in on the, uh, the look-ahead line on that one. Likewise, my friend. And I wonder, yes, I, I think you make a good point about the Giants' offense, which has proven literally nothing this year. And 
maybe Ryan, is it Ryan Finley? <laughs> the fact that we barely know his name uh, is a testament to how unknown he is, but maybe there is something there for the Bengals. I will say the Giants definitely have something to play for uh, when it comes to the NFC East, so that could be a difference maker for them. Also, the Giants coming off a bye, so I would advise if you can five, find it anywhere under a touchdown, the Giants might be a shrewd play against the Bengals without Joe Burrow. Let's talk about Taysom Hill, who was the talk of the weekend. A lot of people, including myself, including you, were not optimistic about what he'd be able to do as the starting quarterback of the Saints. He was the guy. There was no Jameis Winston. It was all Taysom Hill, and I was very impressed. Uh, They won. They covered. They beat the Falcons, and now the Saints, five-and-a-half-point favorites at the Broncos, a team coming off an impressive win of their own against the Miami Dolphins. Do you think Vegas is overreacting to what Taysom Hill did on Sunday in his first start? Uh, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, if this was Drew Brees, this line is probably, well, it's double digits. Let's let's say that. The the thing with Taysom Hill, I mean, one, now Denver's defensive coordinators had a week to look at this and go, okay, well, here's what we can do against this guy. And two, Taysom Hill, though – really good and a lot better than I expected still showed some, some questionable holes. Like the, the underthrown deep balls were atrocious and thank goodness for Emmanuel Sanders realizing that and stopping the one that was 15 yards short, whatever that was Two, I don't know that his touch on the underneath stuff was what it should be for, for a pro level quarterback. There was one where they're going left to right. He tries to swing it to, uh, Alvin Kamara, Kamara drops it, and I put that in quotations. The, the way Kamara looked at him, I thought, oh, is that the fastball when it should have been the changeup? Uh, he did so much good stuff when they schemed him open passes underneath whenever he was on the move or he was, he was planted. There was, there was a lot to like, but Denver is going to have a chance to look at this now that we know this guy that had thrown, I think it was 18 regular season passes in his career, has now a full game of tape and 23 and 23 passes and here's what they do with him. Now Denver can take a look at that and go, okay, well, what, what can I do with this? Is this Denver on the money line? That might be crazy because there's so much other good stuff in new Orleans, but Denver, as it sits on Bodog plus six uh, at home to me, I think it's really worth consideration based on they're going to have a week to, to, to work on Taysom Hill. Derek Taylor, our guest here on the Edge. You know Derek from his years at TSN with the details on the CFL and DT. I'm on it. I'm I'm surprised to be honest. One of us hasn't mentioned maybe Reggie Bagleton or oh. Sean Thomas Erlington. This is very uh, impressive restraint from us. But perhaps when we get off the phone, we can get back into that good stuff. On the subject of good stuff, there might be a Super Bowl preview on Sunday afternoon. The Kansas City Chiefs in Tampa to play the Bucks. KC only minus three at Tampa Bay, and we talked about the whole Brady in the afternoon versus primetime. I wonder if that factors in because this game's at 425. What do you make of the Chiefs only laying three against the Bucks? Pound the t- just pound it? What do, you, what do you do? Just pound the table? Like, just pound That's it? That's it. That's like, it. I, I, yeah, I'm seeing uh, – I was trying to find it on – it's not currently up on Bodog at the, at the moment we're speaking. Uh, I – when you see Tampa, they watching that game last night, like, oh, let's try to feed some Antonio Brown. Let's try to do this. Oh, Mike Evans physically dominated the dude. But when Brady's the one making bad decisions, and I, I heard a stat in the game, he was one for 13 on his deep balls leading into the game, and then his deep ball looked just awful in the game. 
how is Tampa going to score with Kansas City? I've I've lost a couple of units this season figuring that Tampa's defense was going to control things, but how is that offense going to do what the Raiders did and go touchdown for touchdown with Kansas City? I didn't see it last night, and if if I see it at KC, you know, being a three point favorite, I'm in. I, I'm 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 in. I'm in. In. It's, in. It's, it's hard it's hard not to be in on anything KC because all this team does is win. And Patrick Mahomes, aside from Teddy Bridgewater, who is the most profitable quarterback to gamble on over the last 10 years, it's Patrick yeah. Mahomes by a massive margin. And the Bridgewater stat just blows my mind, the way that he's able to cover games. And you go back to his time in New Orleans and certainly this year with Carolina. But Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs just get it done. I guess they did not cover against... Uh, the Raiders this past week, but I mean, there's no doubt that if you have been betting on the Chiefs and betting on Patrick Mahomes since he entered the NFL, you are a lot wealthier. DT, let me get you out of here with your take on my most hated team in the NFL. Simply watching them just makes me sick because I hate seeing Belichick on the sidelines with a scowl and the offense and the defense is not much better. The Patriots are hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Just two-point underdogs are the Pats. That's right, less than a field goal. So the 6-4 and four Cardinals at the 4-6 and six Patriots. Are you surprised that the Cardinals are only favored by two? Yes. I, Belichick, it's, it's been a real roller coaster for them, right? They were okay to – I mean, well, let's be fair. Uh, Cam Newton was fantastic to start the season. He had 15 design runs in that first game and then threw for almost 400 in that second game against Seattle, and then things went south, and now things have turned back again, which is kind of the thing that I would attribute to to good coaching. Uh, are they within you know a few points of Arizona? They're just not very talented. <sighs> this that's a that's a hard one because I don't know that I'm going to you know pound the table for Arizona either because they're. They're an up-and-down team for what I would really want. Six and four is, is good. It's a big improvement over last year. It just, it just feels wrong, right? Like that, yeah. you know, if this stretched out to a field goal, okay, I could see Belichick keeping it that close. But if I can have it under a field goal, I really want Arizona. Bill's, Bill's not dumb. Bill Belichick isn't dumb. He's going to, to know, you know what he can do with Kyler Murray and force him into his – intermediate throws in the middle of the field, which Duffy has problems with. But this one just feels bad because New England is not, uh, what's the word, good? Is that, is that mm, the appropriate Decent. Four, six, New, yeah. New England is not decent or good. And <laughs> I think the way I'm looking at this game, I'm, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on the weather forecast because if it's decent weather in Foxborough on Sunday, I am pounding the Cardinals. They are vastly vastly superior and I don't care about Belichick Belichick's a great coach but he's a terrible general manager they don't have talent on either side of the ball and I think Arizona is exceedingly more talented offensively between Kyler and Drake Chase Edmonds and Hopkins and Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald just goes on and on and on and New England has nothing to keep pace so if that weather is decent that is a game I am looking to wager on for sure Derek it's been a pleasure having you as part of the show. I love appearing on your show in Regina. It's great to return the favor and have you here on in Toronto, my man. I was all prepped to brag about our CFL gambling exploits, but we'll do that another day. Yes, June 2021, we will be doing uh, daily hits, breaking down, um, you know, over-under, receiving touchdowns for random Toronto Argonauts and Calgary Stampeders. And I cannot wait until that day, my man. That will be great, my friend. 
All right. That that is Derek Taylor. Thanks, friend. Thanks, buddy. That is that is Derek Taylor from CKRM in Regina, and of course provides the details to TSN Edge when it comes to the gambling community. So much to say about Thursday, Thanksgiving. I'll break it all down next on the Edge. Wrapping things up here on The Edge for this Tuesday evening, I am Aaron Korolnik. Thank you to Derek Taylor of CKRM in Saskatchewan, our old friend here at TSN, for joining me. He's contributing some great work for TSN Edge. A finer details when it comes to the gambling world, so love having him on. It was great to chat with Al's brother after yet another loss on Monday Night Football. This man is on an incredible streak, and not the good kind of incredible and also thank you to Carlo Koliakovo for joining me as well. Always great to chat with Coco about gambling and fantasy. One thing I want to look ahead to on Thursday is the three-game slate, of course. We know that uh, it will be the Thursday nighter. will be the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, we have a game between Washington and Dallas, which I'll get to in just a second, and Houston and Detroit. So when it comes to Washington and Dallas, of course, they are in the NFC East. And let's look at the odds for the NFC East, a division that seemingly nobody wants to win. Interestingly enough, the Philadelphia Eagles currently listed as the favorite to win the division. That by virtue of them having one more tie than anyone else. And the Eagles are hosting the Seahawks on Monday night, so they are in top. And they have a very difficult schedule to come. Games against quality playoff opponents, which could prove to be very difficult for Philly and their woeful offense and woeful defense to overcome. So I think there is absolutely some value in betting on either the Dallas Cowboys the New York Giants, or even the Washington football team to win the NFC East. And let me explain. Dallas, I think we know where what Dallas is. They are Jekyll and Hyde. You never really know what you're going to get from them. But it is Dallas and it's Washington on Thursday afternoon at 4.30. And to be honest, if I was leaning one way, I would lean Washington. Washington beat Dallas 25-3 to in October. And Washington's defense, low profile, is one of the best in the NFL, led by Chase Young, the number one, number two overall pick in the most recent draft, who was an absolute stud pass rusher. Much in the mold of Miles Garrett for the Browns, Chase Young is developing into a superstar in his first year. And that's not to diminish the work of the linebacking group, the defensive secondary all very impressive for Washington under Ron Rivera in his first year. So if I'm looking at Washington at plus 425 to win that division, I think there is real value. Say what you will about Alex Smith, who is not what he once was. Of course, you know, when you have 18 surgeries on your leg, it's pretty hard to regain the form that you had. But he's looked pretty good. And Terry McLaurin, another stud wideout who is putting up records for young players in the NFL when it comes to receiving group. And I really like Antonio Gibson, a running back as well, alongside J.D. McKissick. They form a solid one-two punch. So if you're looking at value in the NFC East, I would advise either the Giants or the Washington football team. And we talked about the Giants with DT when he joined us in the last segment. They have a cake matchup against the Bengals without Joe Burrow. I think that is an absolute layup for them. In spite of the line shifting eight and a half points after Burrow went down, I really like the Giants coming off a bye. Daniel Jones, he can run it a bit. He can throw it a bit. They're finally healthy. Their entire 
Receiver group is healthy. I believe they're going to get Devontae Freeman back. So when you have Freeman and Gallman and James White in that lineup, there's a lot of quality options to pick through. I mean, this is not the Kansas City Chiefs we're talking about here, but coming off the bye, I think, will be valuable for Joe Judge and his group as well. And when it comes to Thursday, Thursday night, the Ravens at the Steelers as four-point dogs. I think the Ravens might be the sneaky play here, and I know everyone's down on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, but this game was very close the last time these two teams played. I know the Steelers are undefeated, but this has all the makings of a field goal game one way or another. Thank you very much to Chris Diavero, who sat in for Al's brother tonight on the board. Chris, as always, you did a magnificent job. And thanks to all of our guests who joined us on the Tuesday evening edition of The Edge here on TSN 1050.